we can get stuck in these stages, we can just get glued and we have some baggage that holds us back in a certain stage. And some people never move out of a particular stage for decades. So what I want to do, just listen if you can and think, where am I in this journey? Where am I on these stages? So, uh, yeah, just the next slide there, Ashley. Um, it's called the Summer of Love, these talks. This is connected to love, accepting God's love. If we don't, we won't move. So it's a great quote. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. That's by Max Licardo. So he wants you to move. He wants you to grow. Um, yeah, next slide there, Max. So as you can see, it looks, oh my goodness, this stuff looks very sort of doctrinal, quite busy. There are three outer stages which we're going to go through, and these are quite fun. This is a good time to be a Christian. And then there's four inner stages, and it gets a bit like heavy there and a bit hard. Okay, so these are the six stages we're going to go through. Um, as a quick warm-up to help you identify where you are, could you put up your hand, please, if you are aged between 1 and 15? And there's a couple of hands. Could you put your hands up if you are aged between 16 and 30? Oh, there's a few more there. Could you put your hands up if you are aged between 31 and 45? <gasps> okay, right. Could you put your hands up if you are aged between 46 and 60? Oh, it's a few more. Good. And I'll stop there, okay? <laughs> but you get the idea. You've, you've put yourself in that stage. And as you listen to this, that's all I want you to do today. Um, so we're going to look at what are the hallmarks of each stage? What does each stage look like? What can cause you to get stuck? And what can you do to try and grow through the next stage? I'm going to do those three things for each of the six stages. So what are the hallmarks? How do you get stuck? What, what caused you to get stuck? How do you grow? Okay. Probably a Bible verse that runs really well with this is Psalm 23. It's uh, Psalm of David. Just the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leaves me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. For every single stage that you go through in the Christian life, God is with you. Even though at some stages, it certainly does feel that he is not with you. So it feels that way, but it is not the truth. Okay, so let's get down to the business end. So stage one. And you can tell that I'm a primary school teacher. I have a very 1990s PowerPoint and emojis to just help you understand what each of these stages is about. So stage one is the recognition of God. And it's one of these, oh, I believe there's a God. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is absolutely amazing. And your eyes are kind of opened. You believe something for the first time. So what are the hallmarks of this stage? I'm sure you can guess. There's a sense of awe and wonder. Although for many of us, I think the sense of awe and wonder lasts for a lot. I always have a sense of awe and wonder about God. So some of, it's not as though some of these things are just for this stage. 
Um, but it, it's just this, this stage is typified by this. There's kind of an innocence about you and perhaps an openness if you're in this first stage. You're a new Christian. You could be a child, age five. You could be like I was. I was 18. But I had this. I was a little bit naive. Didn't really know much about church. But I knew there was a God. I thought, wow, this God loves me. Um, you, so you start to develop like an awareness of God. And then you start, oh, I want some meaning. I'm going to go on the quest for meaning. And you figure out, I've got a need for a savior. I actually need forgiving, but God loves me. And it's a great moment. It's a great time. That can last quite a few years if you're very young. Do you understand that? So you're not going to go on to stage two suddenly. If you, become, if you believe at the age of seven, you're not suddenly going to go to stage two when you're eight. But if you become a Christian like when I did when I was 18, you probably will move on to stage two quite quickly. Okay, so what can cause us actually to get stuck in this stage? Because people do get stuck here and can get stuck here for years. So instead of feeling love and awe, that kind of subsides. And what you're left with is, I can never measure up to God. I'm just not perfect. I'm just not good enough. And you get stuck with, this, with that feeling. You kind of might feel spiritually bankrupt or unworthy. You feel, oh, you just can't grow. And people can get stuck there. So, you know... You know, you hear the stories of people becoming Christians at big events, and they have some massive, amazing moment. They experience that quite intensely for a short period of time, and then they go home, and they leave it. And, and they'll never go past stage one. Never go past stage one. So some people do do that, but you guys, you're all here. You're either in that stage, or you're past it. Okay, so what, how do we grow through this stage? Um, becoming part of a strong group. You can't do this life by yourself. Whenever anybody says to me, um, oh, Andy, I've become a Christian, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really need to go to church. It's all right. Uh, I, I disagree with that. I think you need a group. You need a group to belong to. You need a church to belong to. So that's how you grow out of stage one. Um, you need to follow a leader. You need to follow somebody who is further ahead than you. Get a few people around you who are wiser and further down the road. Um, and take on simple serving roles. I remember when Claire and I were at uh, Trent Vineyard, and Trent Vineyard was being started, and the associate pastor, Tom, somebody new would come in, a new Christian, and he would go, Hi, how you doing? My name's Tom. Here's a Hoover. <laughs> And I, was, and I remember seeing that and going, gee, that's a bit weird. But actually now, when I understand this, I think, well, yeah, get stuck in, get belonging. And that moves you past stage one. Um, so for me, I guess it happened when I was eight. My stage one was probably about a year. I was 18, sixth form, going into university, love nature, love creation, massive sense of awe and wonder, um, some things I was struggling with, very difficult relationship with my father growing up, but uh, completely absent. Uh, I had a slight, like Davey was talking about last week, quite a big fear of rejection. Um, but I was like, someone accepts me. God accepts me. Oh, this is amazing. And that was my stage one experience. So moving into stage two, um, this is called the life of discipleship. And it's the 
oh, I want to learn. I want to learn about God now. Give me a Bible. Let me, let me understand the gospel. Some of the hallmarks of this stage are it's a time of learning and learning how to belong. And I think you have a sense of rightness and security in your faith. It's almost a bit arrogant. You know that you're right. You've got it. It's a season of filling and receiving this stage too. Um, you get a lot of answers from talks on a Sunday, reading, a, reading some daily notes. It's quite a simple stage. For me, it was between the age of about 18. I'm, I, find it, I find it difficult to put a number on it, but to 22. It's probably about three or four years for me at this stage. Um, how do you get stuck? You can slip into an us-against-them mentality. And I think I did this with my school friends slightly, that I suddenly realized I was right, secure in my faith. Yeah, God loves me. My friends don't believe. Oh, it's me over here and my friends here. I think I did that a little bit at stage, at stage two. Um, you can develop like a pedantic righteousness. You can start following rules because little man-made rules make you feel safe. Believe it or not, that's why so much tradition. So you get obsessed with following rules. You can keep switching churches, find, trying to find different answers, and you can get stuck at that stage. Okay. How do you grow out of this stage of learning and this sort of one of the initial stages? Um, you need to begin to acknowledge how you are unique and what gifts you have. How can you contribute to the life of something bigger than yourself? That's how you get out of just learning about God. You need to recognize your uniqueness. Um, and again, for me, that's probably three or four year. Uh, I met Claire at university. We went to a brilliant church. We went to a lot of fun house groups um, we, with friends, and we engaged with house groups. Uh, we learned about, uh, we loved learning things on the Sundays, and we were probably starting to see our potential. I was starting to see my potential. I was musical, so I thought, oh, I could give this worship leading thing a go. Um, and a guy called Nigel Briggs, uh, fantastic, just a good sort of mentor to me in the early days. He sort of thought, oh, Andy, come and, uh, it's not as though he went, Andy, you're in stage two. I'm going to help you recognize your potential. It wasn't like that, but it was, it was along those lines. He says, oh, come and lead worship at Trent. And this is how you can make mistakes in stage two. You've got this rightness and security. You know you're right. So I thought, yeah, I'm a freaking worship leader. I'm going to blow this out of the water. So I rocked up Trent Vineyard, my first opportunity. I only had one song to do, and it was Faithful One. I thought, yeah, I'll stick some harmonies in, and I'll probably put my foot there. And oh, no, I don't want to worry about looking cool. It's all about holiness and just Jesus. And uh, yeah, I'll play my song. And, and then I went for it. I did these big high notes on, you are my rock. And just, oh, I just thought I'd absolutely bossed it. And then uh, Nigel gave me a call on the Sunday evening saying, uh, Andy, could you just come to, um, could you come to the church office tomorrow just after, just after some lectures? I went, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And I thought it was, hey, I'm getting a promotion. I'm going to be like, you know, on the weekly rotor. I've made it. And he, and he, and he sat me down and just said, Andy, that was really bad. 
And I, get, I felt I felt absolutely crushed. But in hindsight, what I'd done was I saw it as my opportunity in the spotlight. And unfortunately, those very strong emotions overrode any sort of humility, any sort of ability to listen to God through whilst leading worship. I was very young, very naive, thought I was right. And I think you can see how you can make a few mistakes in that stage. So uh, thankfully, hopefully, I grew out of that. That is stage two. Are you with me, folks? Yeah. Uh, Stage three is the productive life. You move past some of this slightly immature kind of approach to things, a bit naive, and you start to learn more. So you're wowed by God. You've learned a bit about God. And now you think, oh, this is my potential. This is how I could contribute to church. And it's about doing things for God. I tried to find a really good picture of doing things, but the best, I just resorted to primary school teaching again. I was just that little picture of a little girl with a spanner. And I thought, yeah, that's doing things for God. Skill and talent. It's recognizing it and using it in a community for the good of everybody else. That's stage three. We can become stuck if we become overly zealous. Yes, this is my contribution. I'm going to do this. Or you can become stuck at this stage in Christian life if you become weary in well-doing. I'll say that again. You can become stuck at this stage if you become a bit weary in well-doing and life ends up just about doing stuff. If you get a bit self-centered or you focus on performance, that can get you stuck at this stage. How do you grow out of this stage? It's letting go of, of success and actually starting to accept a new sense of vulnerability about who you are. You haven't got it sorted. I stand up here in front of you, a contradictory mess. That's how I like to sort of refer to myself. I think I've got a lot of stuff right. There's plenty I've got totally wrong. Do I have struggles? Yes. But am I making some steps in the right direction? And do I have some things right? Yeah but something's not at all. So if you start to accept vulnerability, that'll like help you move out of this stage three. For, my, for me, my story, I reckon this stage for me was between about the age of 22 to early 30s, quite difficult to be exact, but probably about 10 years in this stage, being productive in church, offering who I was. Uh, Claire and I getting married, children, leading some small groups, Worship leading, England, Northern Ireland, doing some songwriting, working with Vineyard Records, serving in church wherever I could, having experiences of praying for people and ministering, just trying to use all that I could use. If it ended there, it'd be great. Stage three, productive life. If that was it, it would be fantastic. But it's not. Those are the three outer stages. Just going back to that quote at the very... Ashley, could you put that up again, please? Just that quote by Max Licardo, slide two. Thanks. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you there. God's got more. So just at the last half of this, it's going to take about 10, 15 minutes to unpack. It's these, the tricky stages. If you can really stick with me through this... This is the point in the seminar last October when I was hit in the face by a freight train of reality and truth. And I went, 
oh my goodness, this is, this is me. So if this might be useful to you. Please try and pitch where you are. Some of you might have actually pitched, oh no, I'm in stage three now. That's me, you've just said. I'm looking around at a few of you and I can almost see, oh yeah, you're there. You're doing great, you're serving in church, Christian a few years. That's you, you're in stage three at the minute. Okay, so, stage four then. This is the journey inward. This is where we reflect. Um, what are the hallmarks of the inward journey or the journey inward? You might start to feel as though some things that worked for you in your faith do not work anymore. Practices, routines, things that you put in place into your life break and you don't understand why. And it's often, not all the time, but there's often a crisis pushes you into this phase, pushes you into this stage, a difficult experience, a bereavement, a catastrophe of some sort in life. Could be, it could be anything, or it could be simply a faith crisis. You wake up one morning, you suddenly realize, is what I believe total nonsense? What if this isn't true? And it's okay to have questions. And it's okay to have doubts. So these are the other hallmarks then. So it's kind of, it's almost as though God is released from a box and our faith gets rebuilt and it feels wonky. We lose a bit of certainty and everything feels a bit mysterious, but not in a good way. We desperately need direction when we're in this stage. And we don't want answers. We don't want other people to go, oh, it's all right. You don't want somebody at stage two at this point who's wowed by God and is suddenly thinking, um, you know, they know that they're right and they're so secure. Do you remember that rightness and security in stage two? You don't need somebody at stage two coming up to you giving you pat answers if you are in a crisis point in stage four, as helpful as that appears. And this is where understanding these stages can be useful to mentor and pastor and help other people through stages of life. Um, so there's a search for direction and not answers. That's, that's important in this stage. Um, you might suddenly become consumed with personal integrity. You want everything to be true in yourself to God. You want to be instead of do. I'll say that again. You want to be instead of do. Being instead of doing. That suddenly becomes more important to you. People at stage one, two, or three, especially those at stage three in the productive life where they're doing all their stuff for God, they might look at you and go, man, you are lazy. You don't want to do anything. What's your beef? How do you get stuck in this stage? Constant quest for direction. Ever learning, but never really coming to the, what you feel as though a total truth. Questioning everything, becoming cynical, self-assessing all the time. How do you grow out of this? Being open to the cost of obedience. Let go of self-centeredness. Just accept God's purpose for your life. Seek wholeness. 
be aware, start to be aware of your baggage and your pain and just unpack it in any way that you want. Belfast City Vineyard um, did something called the Gospel of Wholeness and helped write and create that. That, to me, is directly for people who are at this stage. There's a crisis. They've got questions again. They've got doubts. They're, God seems to be taking them through a journey of pain they didn't know was even there. Um, so I, I guess Peter's denial and crisis point with Jesus, that would have been kind of typified by this. I suppose my story, oh sorry, uh, two other, Martha, Martha and Mary's confusion about Lazarus's death and Jesus' power, that strikes me as somebody that they're searching for direction. Job, my goodness, Job is like the critical journey, the stages of faith. That book is brilliant for that. He has constant search for meaning. His stage four is about chapters 26 to 29. Um, what, does, what did my story look like in stage four? Um, I lost my job in 2009, 2010. I'd always had an inkling that I wanted to do primary school teaching, so it did present an opportunity, but it was not an easy time. I struggled with a lot of things personally. A lot of pain and things to do with the rejection from my father started to well up. Uh, I suffered from depression for about two or three years, got extremely anxious about a number of things. My children were growing up, and I was starting to get really anxious. Am I a good enough parent? Am I good enough this? Am I good enough that? Uh, that was my sort of experience of stage four, very stuck. Yes, I did seek personal healing. I did do some counseling, and it did help. Help me recognize why I was the way that I was. But then you have to move. But before you get out of stage four, and I'm just going to spend a few minutes unpacking this, you generally hit. So it's not a stage, but it's there. And this is where a lot of Christians give up. And they never want to really deal with this. It's called, uh, the writers of the book call it the wall. They just call it the wall. There's got to be more. Who am I? What is my worth? It's very much linked to stage four, this period of doubt and uncertainty. Uh, things just don't work anymore. It's a time of profound seeking when you face your wall, seeking understanding. It requires a massive amount of courage. Middle age, although this can happen at different ages, but middle age, for these writers of the book anyway, seems to be the most common point where you experience a wall. It's part of the inward journey, part of dealing with who you are and coming to a peace. The wall is a place of inner choices. It's kind of the mystery of our will and our stubbornness, meeting God face to face and what are you going to do? You can't go through the wall working 60, 70 hours a week. It requires solitude, and I am not good at that. <laughs> so... Resistance at the wall. If you've got a big ego, you won't want to deal with your stuff. If you put yourself down a lot, you'll never scale the wall. If you can't let go of your shame and let God love you, you won't scale the wall. If you're a people pleaser, it's hard to scale the wall. What does it involve climbing up this wall? Discomfort. This is the hard stuff, folks. Surrender, letting yourself be healed of your stuff.
you are forgiven. You are accepted, but you've got to believe it. Let yourself be loved by God. So going through this wall is noble, but necessary. And I'm just going to read a bit of an excerpt from the book here. But the writers say, the wall invites us to integrate our spiritual selves with the rest of us. And that involves facing our own and other people's demons. We must face that which we fear the most. I am terrified of rejection. Still am. But I'm learning better to face it and deal with it. We must face every fear that we have. And that is why it is so unsavory and why so many people only enter the wall under duress or a major crisis. At the wall, we're usually asked to embrace our illnesses, our addictions, and give up the things that we've clung to to make us feel better. We can encounter oceans of unresolved grief, maybe covered by a nice blanket of anger, nice layer of bitterness, hurt, and a bit more fear. The wall is a place where we confront our true selves, accept ourselves, and then we need to know that we're loved and live wholly in the truth. I'd say the two qualities that are most helpful to have in the wall, you need to know what's true. God loves you. God is for you. And you just need to have the courage to push on through it. The wall is the work of the heart, but it is not for the weak of heart. I'll say that again. The wall is the work of the heart, but it is not for the weak of heart. Let God love you. So what does, I suppose, what does a wall look like? Um, Because this process of seeking God and surrendering to his will, of soul searching, it's been marked by the lives of great people in the Bible and believers since the time of Abraham. They've had to face these crises and deal with their baggage and go up the wall. Other stories in the Bible, I'll whiz through these guys uh, because I don't want to go over time here. Uh, Jonah in the whale. That was, their, that was his wall. Some short, sometimes he's along. Um, the woman with a 12-year illness in Mark. Job's illness. Elijah in the cave. Sarah being barren and offering her maid to Abraham. Mary Magdalene before Jesus healed her. Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. He would have had to have processed some pretty darn difficult stuff there. So just to let you know, have I scaled the wall? I don't think so. Not quite. See that picture there? I picked that because I just wanted to share with you, that's where I think I am. I'm not the dude at the top yet, but I can taste it and I can see it. And I'm almost there, but not, but not quite, not yet. And I think that for me, processing that wall has been since about my mid-30s to now. I think I know what I need to do. I know my baggage. I know my pain. But I think I'm there at the minute. I'm not quite there yet. I've still got some questions. But I said to God a couple of months ago, God, how do I not worry about stuff? How do I not get anxious? How do I not blah, 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 blah? How do I not blah, blah? And he 
I just felt as clear as day, just let me love you. Just let me love you. So ask questions. Seek guidance, folks. Read the Psalms. Rant at God. He's big enough. He can take it. So just let it out. Speak to him. Are you all right, guys? You're all right. That's pretty heavy, that one. And it is at that point in the seminar where I went, it's me. <laughs> and I had this like epiphany moment. I thought, oh, I've been there for like quite a few years climbing this damn wall. And, but it helped, it helped put words to feelings that I'd had, but I couldn't put into any language. Last two stages. Thanks very much for listening, folks. And please continue just to think, where are you here? Where are you at the minute? Stage five. Last two stages. The journey outward. Starts to get a bit lighter here, folks. What are the hallmarks of this? We've worked out our calling. We know who we are. And we're kind of moved by a freedom of healing. We've processed our stuff. We're not perfect yet. We're still a fuzzy reflection, but we know we're forgiven. We may have a deep calm and stillness of soul and a concern and a focus on the best interests of others, but without trying to fix them. We live out in Christ. We've kind of relinquished our grief and our anger over past wounds, and we live in forgiveness, surrendered to God. We know we're accepted. How do we get stuck in this stage? You don't really. This is where it becomes good. You can't really get caged at this point. But other people could look at somebody in this stage and go, man, you're a bit out of touch with practical matters like paying mortgages and arriving to things on time. You might get some people look at you a little bit like, like that. How do you grow? It's not striving. It's evolving. And you know that. And you're at peace with that if you're in this stage. I think I know a few. I wouldn't want to label anybody here, but I'm seeing faces. And I think I know um, who, who here is actually here. But I'll, I'm not going to name you, but I'm pretty sure there are some people here. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 10. When I'm weak, I'm strong. Um, people, with some Bible stories of people in stage five. Again, this is rough, guys. It's not exact. Um, Hannah receiving God's gift of Samuel and giving him back to God. Jonah changing direction from Tarshish to Nineveh, even when he dreaded going. But he was surrendered. He was cool with it. Job listening to God and reconciling with God at the end of that book. Joseph forgiving his brothers after they had sold him to slavery, coming out of it and forgiving him. Am I here yet? No, but I've tasted it and I can see it. It's there. It's like a word that you can't quite think what you're going to say, but it's still on the tip of your tongue. I can see it, but I'm just not quite there yet. Our final stage. Thank you, folks, for listening. Stage six is called the life of love. It's just all about God. This stage is about a transcendent life in God. It's, uh, people in this stage are characterized by wisdom that they've learned from their struggles. Uh, a life abandoned to God. 
compassionate living for others. Rarely are they motivated by what motivates others in the other stages. Can you get caged in this stage? Not really. But some people might view you as being a little bit separate from the world. <laughs> like, or that you neglect yourself in some way. Or that maybe, oh, you're wasting your life. You almost seem a little bit, like, sort of transcendental or something like that. I have met people like this. Yes, this normally occurs when you're a bit more mature, perhaps towards the end of your life, but I'm sure some people could hit this fairly early on. I don't, I don't really know, but it's, it's a fantastic place to be. So, to wrap it up, we're coming into land here. Um, the Critical Journey, it does a, this book, it's a very boring-looking book, does a great job describing the stages of faith. These stages have got nothing to do with leadership or any other visible elements. If we know these stages, hopefully we can understand ourselves, and hopefully we can understand where other people are at a little better. As I said, a stage two person can look at somebody who's facing the wall on stage four and go, but we're right. We've got it. What are you worrying about? Somebody at stage four can look at stage two and go, you are so naive. <laughs> and be very cynical and a bit down. Yeah? So churches can benefit greatly from understanding these stages. We can help each other out a bit better if we understand them. If we don't understand these stages and we think a particular stage is best. So what out of all of them, which one do you think churches want you at? Yeah. That's where churches can get stuck. If they don't understand this, churches want three, don't they? They don't want people at four. It's too much work dealing with those people. <laughs> they don't want people trying to scale a wall. They'd love it if they could have everybody maybe at six, but then six people can be a little bit aloof. <laughs> and a little bit like, uh, perhaps a little bit threatening. Because deep down, you recognize something in those sort of people that you maybe want for yourself, but you know you're not quite there. Why? So, yeah, people can get stuck at three for that. They think they need to be productive all the time. And that is brilliant. Stage five can look a bit like stage three, actually, a little bit. Journey outward, you start to get healthy again and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, do you understand these stages a little better? Do you... Don't th it's not, I don't want you to feel as though it's so prescriptive. It's, it's really not. It's, it's very fuzzy, all these stages. Have you managed to put yourself somewhere on those on those stages. If you haven't, just have a look at them again there now. Where do you think you are? And there's no right or wrong here. Okay? So guys, that is what the rough stages of faith looks like. If you are interested in the book, it is called The Critical Journey. Stages in the Life of Faith. That's not an easy, it's not a particularly easy read, but it is, it is good. And what I've done is try and do a version of a seminar that I heard last October, which was based on this. 
So I'd just love to pray over you now, especially if you are at stage one, fantastic. If you're at stage two, keep on learning. If you're at stage three, do your thing. Build, grow, help, serve. If you're at stage four or you're on the wall and anything that I've said resonates with you, bless you. It's hard, but don't be afraid. Face your fears. I would just love for us all, could we stand?